In March 2015, the Federal Standing Committee on Health presented a report to the Canadian House of Commons on the highly contentious issue of how to regulate electronic nicotine delivery systems, otherwise known as e-cigarettes. We are now in a period of public consultation on the issue. What is the direction that the government should take in terms of regulating e-cigarettes in Canada? I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ, and today we're speaking with the authors of a commentary that proposes a regulatory framework at the federal level for electronic cigarettes. Dr. Ronald Labonte is Canada Research Chair in Globalization and Health Equity at the Institute of Population Health and Professor in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Ottawa. Dr. Raphael Lenchuka is an Assistant Professor in the School of Physical and Occupational Therapy at McGill University. In their commentary, Dr. Labonte and Dr. Lenchuka are calling for a nuanced approach to regulation of e-cigarettes. Thank you for joining us today. Ronald, perhaps you could start by outlining for us both sides of the e-cigarette debate in terms of its harms from nicotine and encouraging smoking, but also its use as a smoking cessation tool. The first thing to understand is that Canada at the present time actually bans the sale of e-cigarettes that contain nicotine, uh, although we don't know exactly how well that's being enforced. We do know that these various products, however, are nicotine replacement dispensing devices so that they are intended uh, to basically give people some sort of a a nicotine type fix without necessarily having all the harmful carcinogenic or other sorts of particles that are associated with burning a cigarette. Uh, The problem that we have is that we don't really know a whole lot about what the health effects might be of using e-cigarettes with or without nicotine. We don't know how enforceable at this time uh, or how strongly enforced the ban on nicotine within e-cigarettes actually is. Uh, We do know that there's a proliferation of sales outlets for these alternative nicotine dispensing devices, the end products, as they're called. And we don't know what might be the effects for people who are exposed to the the byproducts of people who are using e-cigarettes. So at the same time, it's pretty clear that probably for people who are using these, the health harms that they might face themselves are much less than they would get from smoking cigarettes. But it leaves a whole series of questions unanswered. Does this actually encourage people who might never be cigarette smokers that they will get e-cigarettes thinking they're healthier, especially younger people, and be an entryway into regular tobacco use? Does it actually lead to people consuming less and being a harm reduction strategy? These are some of the issues that we simply don't know right now, and we have a kind of a largely unregulated Wild West out there, Um, and that's an international problem, not just a Canadian one. So what are we doing at the governmental level in Canada? So currently, Canada has somewhat of a crude regulatory approach to e-cigarettes. It essentially bans all electronic nicotine delivery system uh, sales and promotion, everything. However, if you, you go to any Canadian city, large or small, you see that these products are being widely used and widely promoted, widely sold. This is kind of leads to what's been perceived as a, a regulatory gap. And so what, what we're seeing in order to fill this gap is uh, different efforts at different levels of government to address the, um, the need to have some sort of control over the sale and other aspects of e-cigarettes in the public. So you have cities like Vancouver, 
who have banned uh, e-cigarette use in public spaces. Similar bans have been implemented in Edmonton and Red Deer in Alberta. And so cities themselves are kind of taking on this need for a regulatory regime to to address e-cigarettes. But as we know, when it comes down to this kind of local level, it, it creates a bit of a patchwork. And so the provinces have come in and have started to talk about this how to regulate e-cigarettes in the absence of a, a comprehensive regulatory approach at the federal level. Ontario perhaps has generated the, the probably the most comprehensive proposal, which is uh, moving its way through Parliament as, as we speak. And in Ontario, you have, when I say comprehensive um, proposition, what they're doing is, is not simply banning it in public spaces, but also ha- uh, creating age restrictions where youth under the age of 19 years old won't be able to purchase these products. So you, you have this happening at the city, at the, uh, uh, municipal and provincial levels. And, but what really what people are calling for is a, really a comprehensive federal approach to e-cigarette regulation. So explain to me the advantage of having a federal level regulatory framework when the municipalities and provinces are making some headway in this area. So, I mean, just briefly, I think this actually comes back to the kind of fundamental question about what is the role of a federal government in controlling products that are potentially harmful to its citizens. And so the multi-level government system, the federal system that we have, allows sufficient autonomy within the provinces and within municipalities to, to address potential health risk. This is not inherently problematic. I think where it becomes problematic is when there, there is a consensus that something needs to be done across the provinces to kind of make sure that there is some sort of harmony and, and coherence across how the different provinces are treating this potential health risk. And so it leads naturally in, in a way to the federal level where the federal government needs to consider their role in addressing this health risk and the benefits of addressing it at the federal level. And in, in this case, as has been the case with tobacco control, is that when you have an overarching framework, it facilitates the, the work of the provinces to kind of align themselves with this comprehensive approach. So you don't have um, certain provinces really developing strong, comprehensive approaches to, say, some a product like tobacco, and then other provinces essentially doing nothing, which is, within, which is their prerogative if you don't have this kind of overarching federal approach. If the provinces had different kind of approaches to e-cigarettes, uh, one could imagine the, a, a situation a little bit similar to when the provinces had different regulations around prohibition and you, you began to get this kind of cross-border flow of illegal alcohol products. The whole trajectory of regulation around e-cigarettes follows but albeit in a much more truncated fashion, the same trajectory that we saw with controlling tobacco products, which began in many instances in the 1980s with municipal efforts to control secondhand uh, exposure, um, uh, to look at uh, other forms of, of tobacco control policies in terms of smoking and different regulations where people could smoke, where they could not smoke. Those then transformed into provincial policies. They became fairly consistent. And then Canada, of course, was one of the countries that really pushed and prodded on uh, getting the WHO to develop its framework convention on tobacco control, which is an international treaty. So I think that that part of the push for this around e-cigarettes is that we have a very novel product for which we don't have 
the kind of evidence we would like to have about exactly what the types of harms are. We, we had much more of that with respect to tobacco and we began to regulate it. And around which there's an international controversy sort of that's been developing because of the speed with which this new industry is beginning to take over. We just don't know what the long-term implications of that will be. Ronald, tell us about the precautionary principle and how it might apply in the case of electronic cigarettes. Well, the precautionary principle, which comes out of the the environmental health kind of issues or environmental policy, is that essentially if you have a risk that you don't have all of the evidence for in terms of whether it's going to be a good or a bad thing, what the extent of the of the potential risk actually is, but it's a risk that has some theoretical potential to have very far-reaching impacts for a large number of people, like a huge population base. On that basis, then the precautionary principle says it is better to regulate in precaution of these potential risks until such evidence arises that the risks are more minimal, as opposed to the non-precautionary approach that says, well, let's wait and sort of see how many people kind of suffer from the consequences of e-cigarettes, and then we'll regulate them. The precautionary principle says the potential for risk seems to be there. The potential for regulation seems to be there. The impact on overall population could be really quite substantial. So let's err on the side of being cautious. And that's essentially the precautionary principle, which we would, in our article, we argue that uh, is the one that Canada should be following and one that many other countries will be following. Until we know more, let's keep a lid. Let's keep a tight lid on this new product until we know more about what its health impacts would be. So in your article, you say that regulations should embody both the prevention of uptake by never smokers, but also include e-cigarettes as a potential harm reducer and a smoking cessation tool for cigarette smokers. And this creates a difficult situation because you have already people smoking and never smokers. So what might a very nuanced regulatory approach to e-cigarettes look like, as you've outlined in your article? Well, I think that in the first measure and adopting a precautionary approach, one would regulate this product in the same way that one would regulate all other tobacco products in terms of point of sale, in terms of the, the age at which people could purchase the product, uh, in terms of advertising, sponsorship, everything else that we're doing with regular tobacco products. Until such time we find that maybe this is harmless, which I don't think it will be, but it, it, until such time as we have more information. But because we know, or at least we suspect, that the use of e-cigarettes in place of regular cigarettes is going to be much less harmful then we ought to look at how we can sort of utilize this new technology as a harm reduction strategy. We lay out a couple of options on that in the article. And and Raph, I don't know if you'd like to speak to those. Yeah, I think that what Ron brings up is an important point. When we're talking about electronic cigarettes, when we're talking about health risk, we're talking about two things. We're talking about relative risk because electronic cigarettes have a relationship with combustible tobacco products. And in that sense, I think there is consensus emerging among the research community that electronic cigarettes are less harmful, so that the relative risk is less when compared with tobacco products. But then we have absolute risk, and the consensus also is that, in this sense, that it's likely that electronic cigarettes aren't a harmless product, that there there is likely some harm, but we're talking about comparison to 
probably one of the most harmful and toxic consumer products ever to be produced, which is tobacco. And so we have to recognize, and the nuance comes in when we're recognizing that there is, relative to conventional tobacco products, e-cigarettes are likely less harmful, but there there is likely some risk involved. And so for when we're talking about harm reduction, we're looking at kind of subpopulations within the tobacco consuming community, the individuals who are consuming tobacco products and what has been termed the hardcore smoker, the, the smoker that has tried everything to quit but continues to, to consume tobacco products because of the nature of the addiction. So this hardcore smoking population has an option, a less harmful option than tobacco products. And the, the importance here is, I think, as a harm reduction strategy, is that e-cigarettes really mimic tobacco-consuming behavior. You, you have this item that you're puffing on, and everything that you do around it, it mimics very closely what, what you would do when you're consuming a cigarette, and so can be utilized to help individuals who are, are highly addicted to tobacco products to move to these less harmful products. And one of the aspects that, or one of the strategies that we propose, and it's been proposed elsewhere by other uh, scholars in this area, is that differential taxation might be an important uh, strategy so that tobacco products themselves remain highly expensive and, and the affordability is controlled where electronic cigarettes compared to these tobacco products would be cheaper and so that would kind of incentivize for these uh, hardcore smokers to kind of trade down to a more cost-effective product. It is a really tricky bit of legislation to pull off this regulation of e-cigarettes in Canada given the wide spectrum of people who might be using it from the non-addicted to the hardcore smoker. Yeah, and if I could just quickly say that what we're proposing, it closely mirrors what was proposed in the federal report that was just released in 2015. And the drafters of this report really connected with some of the important issues that need to be addressed with electronic cigarettes. And the, they produced 14 different recommendations, some of which included having age restrictions, basically controlling the promotion and advertising of these products, drawing from the the lessons that we've learned from the tobacco control movement and applying it to electronic cigarettes. And then again, the challenge of course comes with this kind of nuanced approach. And I think there are enough people talking about the need for this nuance because of the, the relative risk. Electronic cigarettes compared to tobacco products are likely less harmful. Thank you for joining us, Ronald and Raphael. Well, thank you very much for, for having us. And I think Canada right now is poised to very soon bring in the kind of nuanced regulatory approach that we need to this new product. On the one hand, regulating it in a way like conventional tobacco products to prevent any potential harm until we know more certainly what those harms would be, but recognizing its potential as harm reduction and using price incentives and other mechanisms so that hardcore smokers can, as Raphael mentioned a bit earlier, trade down to a safer product. I've been speaking to Dr. Ronald Labonte, researcher and professor at the University of Ottawa, and Dr. Raphael Lenchuka, assistant professor at McGill in Montreal. To read the commentary that they co-authored, visit cmaj.ca.